0: I want to say thank you to the pastors that are here, that have come out on this Memorial Day. Would all the pastors in the house stand up real quick? All the shepherds that 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 lead and senior pastors, youth pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers, um, apostles. If you're in the house, I want you to do something real quick because. I'm going to have these men, these, these men and women, these leaders, these great leaders, uh, help me at the end of this message. One of the things that pastor and I talked about a few moments ago is that, Lord, trust us with the move. You can trust us with the move of God. And what makes this gathering so unique, and, and I've been at some great gatherings, but what makes this so unique is that you know, we're living in a time where people will church hop. If you flip them over, uh, most sheep have 50 brands under their belly. And and I'm, I'm learning that um, my father had eye transplants because of an accident when he was speaking in China. And he had to have an eye transplant. And uh, I'm learning that any transplants requires rejection medicine. And it's the same in the church. And what makes this so special tonight is these shepherds that carry the mantle that... You're like me. I was 16 years old when I said, you can use me. I don't know why you would. I was from a small town with half a red light. Amen? I mean, we didn't have a whole red light. It didn't even work most of the time. We just waved at it. And sometimes it worked. And you got pulled over. And so, uh, but these are the generals of this generation. And I want to, I want to speak to these leaders and tell them that we're going to do something together. We're going to dance together in heaven. And every one of you could come up here. And Dina, when you led worship last night, it was heaven. It was a taste of heaven. I've never heard anyone lead like that. It was like heaven. It was so pure. And then to have Is here, Is, your team. and But would you do something? These are God's very best. Here's the ones that said, Okay. I'll do this crazy thing. I'll step into this thing called the mantle. Falling in the footsteps of the Elijah to the Elisha of uh, uh, falling in the footsteps of those that says what I'm about to preach at here am I. Everyone standing up had a here am I moment. And so would you show them honor? Because sometimes I had a pastor, a dear friend of mine, and in California, pastors at Glad Tidings Church. I go there every summer. We have an outpouring there in the bay. And churches come from all over. And It's the same church where Smith Wigglesworth raised a man from the dead. The oldest Assembly of God church in California. And But they're having an outpouring of God there right now. And, and uh, But I asked him one day, I said, If you could put one word to pastoring, what would it be? And he said, and He has Parkinson's disease. My dear friend, Forrest Beiser, said to me, Constant. Oh, man, that's it. So I want to show honor to these leaders who carry the mantle to this city. Would you right now give them a hand and show them how much you love them? Come on. Pastors, you may be seated. Everyone else. These are God's best. Any one of them could be preaching tonight and bring a word from heaven. Come on, we're not done. This is biblical. This is Bible. We're not done. You want to make heaven smile? Do this for a moment. Now turn to the ones that are sitting down and say one word or two words just simply look at him and say, thank you. You may be seated. Grab your Bibles and open with me to second Corinthians, the third chapter, and then Isaiah, the sixth chapter. I don't know what God is doing here. I know that, uh, where I was supposed to be at in Toronto, uh, tomorrow, they weren't happy and, um, they really weren't. (laughs) They really, I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not going there. And, uh, my office called and they demanded to talk to me. And I, I said, was God's moving. And I, what do you want me to do about it? Uh, Pastor Reinhardt Bunke, who pours into my life, said to me back in January, he said, get ready for God to interrupt the schedule. And I said, okay. He said, no, Pat, listen to me. Get ready for God to interrupt the schedule. And he said, you must learn to listen to the Holy Spirit that if he tells you don't go to Asia, Paul, don't go to Asia. And I said, yes, sir. And uh, that's why tonight, tomorrow night is critical. I believe it's critical for what God is doing. My beautiful wife, uh, we're, we're getting ready for a, um, a wedding this weekend. And um, Nate's actually on his way home right now. He's, he should be pulling in about right now. And and uh, uh, I called my wife and I said, do you need my help with the wedding <laughs> this week? And, and and she said, please stay in Houston. And uh, no... <laughs> He's like, I don't want you at home right now. If you saw your man cave, you'd be mad about all the flowers and stuff. I said, all right. I must preach a word tonight for just a few moments because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move and I don't want to talk myself out of a move of God and I've done it many a times. But I woke up this morning and the Lord spoke this statement to me uh, that, that that simply... He began to put in my spirit, and I wrote this message, and and I believe it's for tonight. I know it is, as a matter of fact. And I had my team running all afternoon, putting together the PowerPoint and stuff, because I I, I use a lot of, uh, of 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 stuff. And but uh, simply, I must share with you a message called "Ruined by Him." See, I have a problem. I had a father that prayed eight hours a day. When I would go to his, go over to his office at that little church that he pastored. The sides of his desk were wore out. His shoes had cardboard in them because he believed in hearing from the Lord. And and for many years, though, I treated the ministry as a business. Second generation usually does. Until they have personal encounters. And then God began to deal with me and began to speak to me about things and taught me a prayer life, not a gifting life, but a prayer life. Big difference. Began to talk to me about getting to know Him and, and I didn't think it was possible to, to know Him even like my dad. My dad has a little dot on his rock, uh, his watch that David Wilkerson taught him that when, when he looked at the dot to say, do I love Jesus more today than I did yesterday? I could hear him in the middle of the night crying out to see heaven and, and uh, a few weeks ago he had a, a, a medicine problem that happened and I was getting on a plane flying to Indiana and I had to cancel where I was going that night and I flew the next day because uh, he coded. We lost him and I got to the hospital and I'm helping him and, and his body had, had uh, gone paralyzed at the moment and, and he, he literally died for a moment. And he's doing great today, but, but uh, in fact he's helping with my son's wedding on Friday and but, 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 and God did something miraculous there uh, with his body, but I asked him, I said, or he said, son, I must tell you what I saw. He said, I guess at the moment I was coding, I saw his hero, David Wilkerson, saying, come on. And I said, well, I'm glad you didn't go on. He said, no, but son, there was the biggest smile on him as he said, come on, Pat, I want to show you something. See, I must preach about seeing the face of the father tonight because I found myself after last night walking up here to to, to, do the offering thing, which I'm I'm not real good at that. And 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 uh, I believe in giving. I'm a sower. I believe in it, but I'm not real good in that area. Some evangelists are and I'm not in because i have not focused on it and. But I walked up here for a moment and I felt him so strongly that I, like I had never felt him in my life last night right here. It's open heaven over this house. So I found myself going to bed last night saying, Lord, I want to live in that. I want to live in that. Once you get a taste of that, you can't go back. I mean, it's, I, I, I can't do normal. I can't, I can't play church. I can't, I can't, I can't do that anymore. And neither can the soundboard. They will not be in heaven. You don't need a soundboard when you're the voice of many waters. But I began to think last night, even as I was going to sleep, about a face-to-face encounter with God. I'm reminded of one night I had been traveling a great deal, and all of a sudden I'm sound asleep, and I heard Nate, he was just a little boy, and I heard him upstairs in his bedroom, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, he goes, Dad! Daddy! Daddy! Jumped out of bed. I ran upstairs and I said, what, what is it, son? He said, he said, he said, I, I, I just wanted to make sure you were home. I went, what? He said, you've been gone a lot and I, I just needed to know you were home tonight. I curled up in bed with him and we, we fell asleep and I woke up sore because you cannot sleep with children about, without being sore. Moments when my father will call me and it's my dad. I'm 42 years old, about to be 43. And and my dad can call me and all of a sudden he can say, son. And the minute he says it, I start crying. Because it's the voice of the Father. So my heartbeat tonight is to take you on a journey very quickly with simply a titled message ruined by Him. Ruined. Getting to that place. What are you talking about? The Lord took me to this scripture because I'm talking tonight about a face-to-face encounter and it may happen tonight. So this is for everyone that says there's more. This is for everyone that's done with religion. This is for everyone that says, I really just want him more than I really want to live. I want him. It's, it, 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 it aches inside of you. And look what it says in 2 Corinthians. And I'll go to, to uh, Isaiah 6 in just a moment. But it says in 2 Corinthians 3.16, I found this today in the Message Bible. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and and there they are face to face. Dad. Just need to know your home. Curl up by me, Dad. And they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. And all of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shine with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Give God a praise offering. And what I'm learning right now about who he is, is he is a very selfish God. He is tired of sharing you because whatever you behold will own you. And God told me to come and deal with some issues tonight because we want more, but there's going to be a little bit of a price for that. And God says, I will not share the stage with flesh. Can't tell you how many times I've gone to walk up on stages. Thousands of students sitting out there. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, hold on, hold on just a second. All of a sudden, the Lord will say to me, would you please get out of the way tonight and just open the curtain? Be a stagehand for me, Pat. Can't tell you how many times he said to me, if they can see you, they can't see me. I was working out one day. I try to do that once a year, whether I need it or not. And he said to me, Pat, never listen for the, tr- the cry or the cheer of the crowd, but listen for the cry of the cloud. Those who have gone before us, those that are screaming, we can see him now. We're in his presence now. And so I want you to understand God is beginning to pull the selfish flesh out of the body of Christ. And God's spirit has the power to take over and we can live inside of us and become us. And what you behold, you will become. And what you've got to realize is our greatest enemy is us. My enemy is within me. My greatest enemy is not somebody that wants to hurt me or harm me or come against me or attack me it's not a murder in the streets or a rapist the greatest enemy you will ever face you look at in the mirror the enemy within me and i love what takes place look at isaiah the chapter six a familiar passage of scripture i'm going to take you through it quickly because i got to get to the altar experience it says in the year that king uzziah died i saw the lord seated on a throne now this is a uh, a scripture you've probably heard a thousand times but this is an upper room experience this is an atonement experience. This is a salvation experience. Now how many of you know that the Old Testament is Christo-centered? Everything in the Old Testament points to one thing, Jesus. Everything. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He is so much bigger than our little American religious mindset. If he walked in here, we'd all be dead. I imagine when he walked... I love what Pastor Bunky said to me one day. He said, I'm always amazed, Pat, at how pastors um, say things to me like, well, I felt God a little bit tonight. As he said, as if God is a percentage. He said, when you invite God in, He shows up 100%, but we don't. And he made this statement to me, he said, Pat, he said, if if we were, if God was, if you're as a person were a percentage, you wouldn't, you would be a freak. And I asked him, I said, Pastor, how is it that you can show up and speak to 100,000 people and have snipers from Hezbollah pointed right at you from across the wall wanting to kill you and yet they cannot pull the trigger and then all of a sudden you raise someone from the dead? I said, how do you get ready for that? He said, Pat, I have realized that if God can be 100%, I can be 100% convicted me i wept i wept for hours because most of the time i'm not 100% most of the time we played church like we played houses children and, and and it says in verse 2 and above them were seraphim and, and and with two wings they covered their uh, with 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 two with six wings With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. I love that right there because I believe every time, even though they've been doing this for thousands of years, every time they remove the wings from their eyes, they see a new facet of His glory they have not seen. These are glory producers. The Bible says the smoke filled the house. There was a friction in the atmosphere. One angel's over here screaming, Holy! And then another angel's over here screaming, Holy! And as they're screaming it, those words are meeting each other in the atmosphere and an explosion of smoke glory comes calling holy 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 is the lord almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory at the sound of their voices the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke woe to me I cried I am ruined undone for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and in my eyes I've seen the king the Lord almighty then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from the altar with it he touched my mouth and he said see this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away your sin is atoned for salvation experience then I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send who will go for us and by the way if you study that term in the Hebrew there it is a repetitive term it does not end that means over the intercom of heaven right now if you were to step out if you could listen it would say who will go who will go who will go for me. Who will go for me? He never stops saying it. It's the same thing of Revelation three. It says he's standing at the door at the knocking. God never stops knocking. There are repetitive terms in God's word that you must understand that literally they were happening back then and they are happening right now. Who will go? Who will go? Who will go for me? Who will go? Who will go? Who will go? Who will go? And every now and then some young kid or some, 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 some young lady will reach up in the atmosphere and pull down there. I will go. You're getting this, right? Watch, I gotta get into this, I'm sorry. Then I heard the voice of the Lord, who saw I sin? Here am I, send me. I began to look up this morning, the very term ruined. Because he said, Will you allow me to ruin you, Pat? Will you allow me to change you? I want to be ruined by him. And the the term in the Hebrew is "dama," and it means to be dumb or to be silent. How many of you have ever been ruined? <laughs> All my report cards should have said "ruined," "dumb." Hence, to fail or perish. To destroy, cease to be cut down, destroy, be brought to silence, to be undone from your history, to be unwrapped from what you were wrapped in, to break generational curses to remove words spoken over you to be unwrapped, to be undone by your precepts and your religion and your concepts. To be undone is that place where he says, I need to take you from there and bring you back to here because the only one that's going into heaven is a child and if you're not like a child, so I gotta get you out of this adulthood stuff and all the junk you picked up and take you back to being like a child because that's who's inheriting the kingdom of God. That's who I say, come on, sit on my lap. And so God says, I have to undo you. I have to ruin you to be utterly be reduced. The greatest thing that can ever happen to us in the body of Christ is to have no idea what we're doing. My son said to me yesterday, he said, Dad, my years at Southwestern have messed me up. I said, Nate, for every year of Bible college, you're going to need two years of religious detox. That's what I told him. I said, so you got about six to eight more years of this because we were talking about something. I said, that was religious. He said, I don't know why I said that. Did you know that Jesus was even ruined? Found this this morning. Look what it says in Isaiah 52 verse 13. Just watch my servant blossom, exalted, tall, head and shoulders above the crowd. But he didn't begin that way. How many of you know this is a description of Jesus? At first, everyone was appalled. He didn't even look human. A ruined face. It says about Jesus disfigured past recognition nations all over the world will be in awe, taken aback king shocked in the silence when they see him for what was unheard of they'll see with their own eyes what was unthinkable they'll have right before them what you've got to understand is god began to burn in my spirit i don't just want a simple visitation i want a habitation and my focus tonight is not on the angels crying holy although i love it i think it's incredible because these weren't baby cupids flying around with little arrows these are warriors soaring in the atmosphere screaming, ready to do battle, but their assignment is simply to praise him. I'm not preaching about them. I'm not even going to preach about the shaking threshold. So next time you pull up to a car and it's thumping, it's bouncing up and down, look over at them and say, turn down for a second. Heaven's just like that. God has a bigger base than you. You got your little 18 inches in the trunk. And God says, am not going to preach about that either. I'm not going to preach about my favorite part. This is the train of his robe fills the temple. Because if you understand anything about a king and his dominion, the robe represents how much dominion and land and co- like kingdoms that he has conquered. So when it says the train of his robe fills the temple, Pastor and I, uh, Pastor uh, Donald Gibson and I were talking about this today. I was shouting while I was out jogging because literally it, you've got to realize that the the very robe of God represents His dominion. And we know in Luke chapter one it says there is no end to His kingdom or dominion. And so you got to understand there's a robe behind Him that's folded and stacked and stacked and folded and folded and inside of it is Hitler and inside of it is disease and inside of it is cancer and inside of it is Islam and inside of it is Muhammad, and inside of it is Buddha and all this stuff inside of it is the United States and what you got to realize is no kingdom every kingdom falls behind him and bows so the next time the doctor says I'm sorry you have cancer you can look at them and say I'm sorry he has dominion over that Next time divorce runs rapid through your family for generations, you can say, I'm sorry, it bows. Next time something rises up in your house, rebellion, say, that's already behind him. Get behind me, devil. But I'm not preaching about that. See, you've got to understand, let me set up the story of Isaiah, because if you study Second Chronicles chapter twenty-six, verse fifteen, Isaiah had a cousin by the name of King Uzziah. King Uzziah became full of himself. In fact, he was brilliant in his mind. And here he was. He was the best friends of Isaiah, a young prophet. And really Isaiah up to this point was just his scribe. That's all he really was. And and he was really Isaiah's social security check. Every preacher needs a social security check. And and but all of a sudden, the Bible says it gets full of pride, and 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 in Second Chronicles twenty six verse fifteen, it speaks about it. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. The enemy within me, the mirror, pride. God hates pride, and he was unfaithful to the Lord as God. He entered into the temple of the Lord because see what we've lost in the body of Christ is an understanding of priests and kings. I wrote this in my book. I've seen this happen. Anyone that touches the anointing, five things will happen to them. I've seen it. Uh, it's a preacher's kid's heart speaking right here, so I'm just going to say it. But I also believe this will happen to a minister that is unfaithful. And so, But I've seen it. Either number one, they get sick or die. I wrote about this in a book. Uh, n- number two, um, their marriage will fall apart. Number three, if money's their God, they'll go broke. Number four, their kids, if they're teenagers, will backslide. It's a given. And then number five, if you see them a year later, they look 20 years older because rebellion makes you old. So he walks in, he begins to burn incense in a place that was not his place. There was only one prophet, priest, and king, and that was Jesus. There was one person that served that role for a short time, and that was Samuel. He begins to burn incense on the altar of incense. The priests run in, Azariah, I believe it is, and 80 other courageous priests run in, and they say, stop it. He gets angry because when you confront someone, the spirit behind their actions has to come out. And you know what I've learned? Secret sin is always the loudest voice in the room. Secrets, people, people, secrets, they're just weird. And I'm not going there. So he confronts, he gets confronted and immediately leprosy breaks out on his forehead. Now, leprosy, the best way you know, I have leprosy. I asked a man about this one time in Hawaii. You know, how do people know? They just get numb all over and eventually the limbs start shrinking up. Welcome to the American church. We can't point the way because we don't have any fingers anymore. Because we we really don't believe in the fivefold fingers. We just and you know we gotta be careful. Teacher, let's cut off the apostle, the prophet, because they're not for today. And I don't know why the the evangelist has to be the middle finger. It's not right. And and just saying. can't believe I said that. (laughs) I've told my wife that though. What? Anyway, let's move on. And and the Bible says that he ends up living in a separate house, and his son takes over the kingdom. Well, what does that have to do with what you're preaching tonight? Because it says, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord." In the year that pride died, I saw the Lord. And 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 what you have to understand here is Isaiah, a young prophet who, up to chapter five, really just gave a report on Israel. Had not really started prophesying. In fact, he knew how to say woe to, you, to everybody five times. He said it in the chapter before this, and 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 yet, really, it wasn't until he had an encounter with God that he that he changed. It was at that moment that something happened to him, in the year that my pride died, in the year that my soul, He went into a bomb shelter that would become a launching pad. And at that moment, suddenly, when... And this is what you got to write this down. When the woe is all about me. And somewhere between the door and the throne, he got free. And that's what he woke me up with this morning, Pat. Will you live in my presence so I can free you of things, your insecurities, your fears, your doubts. And, and again, I just want to say the altar is always open. I forgot to do that. But but what, I, I love what it says in Isaiah 6, 5, the King James. He says, woe is me for I'm undone. I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe to me. Literally that term is a passionate cry of grief. It's not. People love to read it and they go, woe to me. No. he screamed. Woe! Woe! I'm in the ministry and I don't This is not what I learned in Bible college. This is not what I was taught in Sunday school. Whoa! 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 whoa no! Hold on, Whoa! 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 And it forced him to declare he was ruined. Start me over, take me back, remove my regrets, redeem me, clean me, purify me, make me whole, make me desperate, make me zealous, make me brand new. Second Corinthians 517. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. That term literally means brand spanking new, never produced before. It's the same term he used in Genesis 1 for the creation of the earth. Brand new. He didn't pull from other things. At the moment you bow your knees, he starts you completely over and makes you with newness. Something changes. Can I say something? Nothing, and I'm going to get very real because there's some people in this room you want a move of God to hit the city so you can talk about it. And I've been pegging him. I told my wife today, I said my calendar is completely full but if he wants to move, I'll, 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 I don't care anymore. I'm sick of it. But the problem in the body of Christ is we are so good at enjoying our demons. If we ever got into deliverance, you can't do that in a 71-minute service. And God began to speak to me this morning early. He said, son, I want to do some things in the city of Houston that government can't fix. But the problem is sin has been, been molesting some of us long enough. Romans 7, 11, it says, for sin seizing the opportunity, it means it molested you, it seized, it raped you, it, it, it waited on you. And opportunity in getting a hold of me. Uh, by taking its incentive in, in other words it, it took advantage of you sin stepped in and said I got you from the commandment beguiled and trapped and cheated me and using it as a weapon killed me and God says I've been trying to warn you for years about the things that you're letting in that you don't bother with anymore and he warned you over and over 1st Corinthians 10 18 it says do you see the difference sacrifices offered to idols are offered to nothing for what's the idol but a nothing or worse than nothing a minus a demon I don't want you to become a part of something that It reduces you to less than yourself. And you can't have it both ways, banqueting, banqueting with the master one day and slumming with the demons the next. Leave it to Eugene Peterson to just say it. Besides, the master won't put up with you. He wants us all or nothing. Do you think you can get off with anything less? In fact, God even says, I saw you mess up. Proverbs 5.21, mark well that God doesn't miss a move you you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. It's the end of yourself as the beginning of God. It's what William Booth, my hero, said. He said, "The greatness of man's strength is determined by the by the measure of his surrender." It, it it's that that place where you say, "I I, I want to be free to get rid of me, God. I'm tired of me." It's not always everybody else. It's not. I can't blame it on what my dad did or my mama did or my sister did or my my grandfather did. I can't I can't blame it on the generational stuff. I believe this. He told me this today. He said, "I'm calling my church back to secret encounters and passionate glances." where you'll be sitting in a service and it would just be a normal day. You just decided to show up and all of a sudden, I didn't expect that last night. I'm supposed to be sitting in Birmingham right now. What if today at some point he invaded this room? What if today at some point Jesus walked by your chair and placed his hand where you're hurting? What if... He simply took you by the hand and said, Let's go for a walk. What if your Christian walk wasn't about the blesser or, or it wasn't about the blessing, but it was about the, uh, the the blesser? What if what if you were so desperate for a move of God you would just say, Here I am? I'm done with normal. I'm sorry, I've read the book of Acts. Show me normal. Eyes, blinded eyes open and deaf ears open, and I'm tired of going overseas to see this stuff happen. I've seen it some here, but I'm just tired of it. And 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 why do we have to act that it's act as if it's not normal to have miracles? 1 Corinthians 2:9 it says, "No one's ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love Him, He's already given us the victory." He 2 Corinthians 2:14 and 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 I got it, thank God. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Is it okay if I preach this for a moment? Let me just give you the, the, I wrote down just five things and I felt God speak, and we're going to give an altar call in a moment. But, but, um, what is he? Just What is he? Tell me what he is.
1: Holy. Holy.
0: So I asked her to do that a moment ago because I, I want to keep reminding you where Isaiah was at. So let me give you five steps to becoming ruined. I just had to give you the five because I thought it was cool. What will get you to a place of, of, of being ruined? How in the world could he say, here's the prophet of the land? Whoa! I'm, I'm ruined. I've seen him. I've seen him. He was in the ministry for five chapters before he saw him. prophesying before he saw him preaching before he saw him visiting folks before he saw him calling people out before he saw him living in a life that have a promise but hasn't actually seen him i'm tired of talking about it's what my friends have told me uh my friend jim hennessy in dallas said to me a couple days ago he said you got to go to israel with me you can't preach about israel until you go to israel well you know what i feel the same way because we preach about him and we haven't seen him and he's sitting up there going it's close but it's not quite right And if you were to get arrested for being uh, uh, hugged by Jesus, could you really describe him? And so number one, this is where I'm at. I'm going to give the five things. And I think those men of God. Brent, this is where you're at. Number one is the place of frustration. Isaiah was frustrated. He was desperate. He he had nowhere to go. His mentor, his friend, his king had died. Worse than that, the king had died due to his pride, so he couldn't even really celebrate his death. He went into a bomb shelter to become a launching pad. It's amazing how pride is killing our nation. It's killing our churches, killing our marriages, and killing everything that God is wanting to do in the year that pride died. I'm learning that frustration will either make you angry at others or broken for change. Well, oh, I've gone my season of angry at others. And then, and then God said, no, no, no. I've learned that God will allow you to get frustrated. It's Romans 8, 19. For creation waits well, in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected. In hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage decay and brought on the glorious freedom of the children of God. God says, I have to frustrate you. While you're looking at mad at your wife and you're looking at your kids and you're mad at your boss, it, it's me. I did it. Yeah. You got laid off. Yeah, it's me. Because you're living off a 20-year experience at an altar that doesn't exist anymore. And God says, I've got to get you back to me. Because I don't want you to go into shock when you walk into heaven. And they're screaming. What are they screaming? Tell me what they're screaming. I don't want you to get to heaven and complain about how long the worship service is. Are we done yet? God. And I'm talking to the ones that are frustrated and here for more. I'm about to. I'm gonna hurry through this. I'm just gonna say the things. So I'm gonna get to the altar, but. like I am that I was here driving from Dallas and I was saying I want more, I want more, I want more I'm just tired of being somebody's calendar name, I'm tired, I just want more and and I I found myself groaning, I shared this verse yesterday at faith and it's one of my favorite verses look what it goes on to say in Romans the 8th chapter, it says, see because creation is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed, meanwhile the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit's right alongside helping us, if we don't know how or what to pray it doesn't matter, he does our praying in us and Making prayers out of our wordless sighs and aching groans So everybody that's been in a church service going Oh, everybody's been driving to work Oh, everybody's been sitting there Oh, he says, I heard you I turned that into a prayer language along the way God said, I can decode whatever you're saying And God says, I'm looking for those that have groaned lately Those that are desperate Those that want to go to the other level Your frustration is a sign that God has something bigger for you And the frustration always leads to desperation. In Psalms 34, verse 6, when I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angels set up a circle of protection around us while we pray. What you've got to understand, I am so tired of Christians that don't have a holy fire. You know what they got? They got a propane tank fire. They just know how to turn that hearth on and off. And let's warm the room up. Turn it off, baby. It's too hot. And God says, I'm looking for people that are desperate. We're living in desperate times where humanism is invading the body of Christ where things are happening where no longer we do altar calls anymore we don't talk about His power anymore and we look back at society and you know... I don't know, Pat, maybe that gay marriage thing is okay. I mean, come on. It's in our Constitution. It's a living document. Let me tell you about a living document where Revelation 4 says, if you add to it and you take away from it, you are in danger of hellfire. And God says, I am tired of a church that doesn't read this anymore. They'd rather listen to the pundits on the news to know where they are supposed to go. God says, I'm looking for a church that will stand up with conviction and authority. Are you getting this? How many times my own desperation middle of the night Getting out of bed Has led me to hearing God's voice Do you understand there's no jail or prison God can't get you out of it Desperate people must have a desperation Psalms 107 verse 12 We'd rather send you to a 12 step program To get you on your face And and I I don't have a problem with 12 step programs But but I still My father was a drug addict For many years Worked for the mafia Got delivered in one night When he said here I am We still get together at Christmas and watch strobe lights, family flashback. Now watch this. A hard sentence and your heart's so heavy, not a soul in sight to help. Then you called out to God in your desperate, desperate, desperate condition, desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of the dark, dark uh, cell, broke open the jail and led you out. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He shattered the heavy jailhouse doors. He snapped the prison bars like a matchstick. the number three because you, you got you to get a hold of this. From frustration, desperation, and now confrontation. Oh, no, no, no. This is the level we stop. This is the place we get mad at the pastor and go to another church. This is the place where, because he looks at you and says, you ain't getting the mic. Because <laughs> the calling of God without time timing God results in the absence of God. If you get on this stage and we let you preach, oh, I'll go to another church. Bye. Love you. But you ain't coming up here because this thing is holy up here. And you're full of pride right now. And you think suddenly you got this word from God. But you ain't willing to study the word and go. You ain't willing to go to school. I mean, Paul did. Moses did. Everybody else did. But you don't have to. And, and, and it's amazing to me how we have the desperation and, and, and we start to get free. But then that is the second, that's the third level when confrontation has to come. When we have to say, is there any wonder why you've gotten mad at every pastor you've ever been under? Because they look at you and say, listen, you little prima donna, you may be gifted, but you're not anointed. And we want to turn it around. And we don't want you on our stage because I'd rather put somebody up there that cannot sing, turn their mic off because they know how to usher in the presence of God. And God says, you have to confront. got to be we got to grow up and quit being baby churches and let god confront things in us i thank god for the men in my early years that said to me you've got a lying spirit the pastors that i worked for and said i love you and you are gifted but you are full of pride And they're my friends today. Oh, I gotta get done because from frustration to desperation, in that third level is confrontation. Most in the church never get there. It's Numbers fourteen. It says you don't even understand some of the stuff you're dealing with. It's gone down for three to four generations. I didn't steal that, Pastor, and my dad didn't steal what he stole. My grandfather didn't steal the horse, And, and my great grandfather didn't steal the buggy. Sorry, I'm meddling. Jeremiah 31. After those years of running loose, I repented. And after you trained me to obedience, I was ashamed of my wild past, un- of, my, of my past, my wild, unruly past, humiliated. I beat my chest. Will I ever live this down? God says, I want to break the victim mentality off the church. That victim mentality, somebody just trying to get me, somebody just trying to make me mad. And it's the worst in the ministry and in our Bible colleges. It's a victim mentality. I'll come be your youth pastor, but you got to pay me a 100000 a year. I'm like, son, get in there and clean that toilet and shut up. See, it's an understanding May He strengthen your hearts. 1 Thessalonians three, so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God. You can't get undone without confronting where you've come from. First Corinthians eleven thirty two. It's better to be confronted by the Master now than to a fiery to face a fiery confrontation later. Wow! I gotta close. I gotta close right here. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I've gone long. Jesus said in Luke 12, I didn't come to, to, to make you feel good. I came to confront. The Jesus that, that, that is represented in most churches would not be welcome in most churches. From frustration to desperation to confrontation and then revelation. The encounter. You see, Isaiah was no longer writing down what someone else had saw.
1: He was experiencing
0: God encounters open the door for love you've never even understood we, we're so afraid to let altars break out but they don't understand it's Romans chapter eight it says it says do you even understand for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers and neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate me from His love but it's when you have the revelation of Him that suddenly it's like oh He likes me it amazes me people get saved and six months later and they come up to me I don't feel like God likes me anymore what he didn't change you did he 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 says I I love you you just got to go deeper it's an encounter Isaiah ended up ruined how it it wasn't the angels that did it I've been in services where angels I got pictures where orbs of angels were in New Zealand at a youth camp under a tent in Alabama you can see the faces of angels all around and it began to rain inside of a tent as I preached on the reign of God I've seen the angels but they don't do for me what he does for me and what you got to understand I've been in two different hotel rooms about to make a major step in our ministry and saw an angel one time i screamed like a little girl he wasn't seeing the train of his robe that filled the temple it wasn't any of that he loved all that but it was seeing his dad he had an encounter with his father it's my little girl when she She's adopted from China, and, and she's an ice skater, and she'll tell you that white kids can't ice skate. And and it's, yeah. And Abby, they asked her, do you want to test, Abby? It's time to go to another level. And she said, oh, no, 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 my daddy's out of town. No, you have to test now. And she said, no, I'm not, I'm not testing. I can't. I refuse and skated off. They went to my wife who's in the stands at the ice rink, and she goes, she has to have her daddy the next week. I'm standing there, cause she called me this daddy, they don't want me to test to go to the next level. I said, Baby, I'll be there next week and and the next week I'm standing there like this and she did her skating and passed and went to the next level, turned around and she said, I couldn't do it unless I saw my dad. This was Isaiah's moment. That's what we don't get. This is the part I never saw. He experienced the love of a father. He, it, it, his, he, everything had fallen apart. How great is the love the father's lavished on us that we've called his His kids. But see, most people won't get past confrontation to the revelation of who God is. They won't go to that. Um, I, I wonder about how I think about the ones in the Bible. I was thinking about it today. I think I, I was thinking about the ones that actually got to see the face of Jesus and the woman at the well who, who looked upon him him. And he said, lady, you ain't never gonna thirst again. Let's start a revival in Samaria and, 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 see what God can do. And, and then later I'll have to send an evangelist to go fix it again because Samaria keeps worshiping things in the mountains. Nobody knows about it. And, 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 and Simon Peter in the walking. I'm coming. Jesus, no. And a hand comes out in the middle and, and pulls him out. He's looking into the eyes of a savior that will change the world. I think about the ones, blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, son of a traitor. Jesus, it's me. Look, it's my jacket it's his color because i'm blind and jesus can i imagine the ones who got to see him what it was like looking into the face of a father i think about thomas prove it to me and that doubting spirit gets ripped out of him I, i think of judas came to come and do what you came to do friend jesus called judas friend Remember, I think it's Mark the 8th chapter, he called Simon Peter Satan? Why did he call Peter Satan and called Judas friend? Because Peter was telling him, you don't have to die. You don't have to do this. We'll raise up a kingdom. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because Peter was trying to keep him from his father. The kiss from Judas was getting him back to his father. So anything that is keeping you from God is your Satan. Anything that will kiss you with a kiss of death that gets you to God is your friend. The Judases in your life are the ones that make you fall on your knees and cry out because your heart's broken. But you don't even realize they're your friends. Because they're pushing you to God and not people and not books. And all the other stuff I need some Judas's in my life That'll kiss me and I can say Do what you came to do friend Apparently I haven't seen him lately Maybe you grew up seeing an angry face of a father But you have no idea, i got to close right here Frustration, desperation, confrontation, revelation And now transformation, the place of transformation God has been waiting for this to happen inside of you It is the place It's Romans 12:2. Don't be so well adjusted to the culture That you are hanging on to it That you fit into it Instead fix your attention on God You'll be changed from the inside out Readily recognize what he wants from you Quickly respond to it Unlike the culture around you Always dragging you down to the level of immaturity God brings the best out of you Develops well-formed maturity in you He says I'm looking for a people that will be like Isaiah and it says it says in verse 7 through 8 or verse 6 then one of the Sarah's flew to me with a live coal in his hand and began to burn that mouth burn that tongue began to cook his face and as it began to burn all of a sudden something changed inside of him and and then all of a sudden all of a sudden all of a sudden with it he touched my mouth and said this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away your sin is atoned for then I heard God say who will go we never want we always want Want to say here am I send me, but we don't want to go through the burning process. You want an outpouring in this city? It's biblical. What's happening here? God did not write letters; He either wrote them to sons or He wrote them to cities. The churches in Revelation were cities. He didn't see Mercy Gate. He didn't see CT Church. He didn't see any. He sees a city, the church at Houston. And God says, what if I poured out my spirit on this city? But not until we get back to the place where we can begin to cry out, where we can begin to say, holy, 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 holy. That's what he told me to share tonight. He told me to share this with you. He told me to share this with you. He told me to come and say, are you willing for a confrontation? Are you ready to get some things out of your life? Are you willing to say, here am I, here am I? But first, you've got to have an encounter. Keep going. Go ahead. Join me. Holy. Some of you have gotten so used to the sin in your life. It's just part of your clothing.
1: You are holy. He said, put on the full armor. You are holy. Holy. I want to see him. You are holy. I just want to see him.
0: like you've just had your heart broken. Of your chairs. Come on. Come on, join me down here. You you? Come on, champions. Come on. He what i want you to do across the house whether you're sitting down on your face or whatever it is there's going to be two things that god wants to do he's going to remove fear off people's lives tonight but see what you have to understand is sin produces the root of fear and bitterness so across this room you've heard the prayers a thousand times you could lead me but across this room tell them you're sorry repent across the room let's cry out let's repent come on let's repent On, tell him, come on, tell him Get the secret sin out of your life The things nobody knows about Tell him you're sorry, tell him you're sorry The things that you're doing The things you do to defile your body His temple The things you're doing with your mind and your eyes Defiling others The things you've spoken and said Say, God, I'm sorry Somewhere along the way I thought it was okay The word holy means separate Separate it Means come out from among them tell him you're sorry hold on pray this out loud tonight loud tonight I want to be free all my anger my hurt my insecurity my secrets forgive me Take the coal. Take the fire of God. And burn it out of my life. In Jesus' name. Burn it out of my life. Burn it out of my life. Come on, cry out. Say burn it out. Now scream out. Whoa!
1: Woe is me!
0: Woe is me. Say ruin me God Say I want to be ruined by you Start me over Take me back To the mind of a child Now help me He
1: is Oh so holy
0: Here's what I want you to do: Begin to crowd for your family, for your parents, for your for your daughter, your son. Say, God, bring the fire of God into my home. For your husband, your wife, your your families, your marriage, your your friends. Come on, cry out, 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 cry out. Cry out.